Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. to the Spoken Word Show on 3CR Community Radio. My name is Brendan Bonsack. 3CR broadcasts from a Wurundjeri land in the Kulin Nation, land whose sovereignty has never been ceded, stolen land. We pay our respects to elders past, present and into the future. Our guest today is Sasha Kuha, the multidisciplinary artist working in film and television, sound design and on stage. He's an actor, musician, performance poet and visual artist and he joins us today to talk about a new project begun during the pandemic, a podcast called The Candle Melbourne. Welcome to the show. No, it was an absolute pleasure. Can you give us a quick rundown of what the podcast is about? Sure. Um, so my partner Gio is a psychotherapist and I'm an artist. We tend to get together and have a lot of, a lot of conversations about the pros and cons of being an artist and also how that affects mental health because you know I have no real understand like uh, mental health is not a field that I am an expert in by any means but she is and I like to learn more about it I guess so we started off with a few discussions about why you know this idea of artists suffering from mental health like famously you have Van Gogh and other artists who have famously suffered from these concerns And we just kept talking about it and decided to put together a podcast. Thankfully, the Mooney Valley Council was on board and gave us a grant to pursue this concept. So are mental health issues uh, in the arts a focus of the podcast? That's the overarching sort of theme of the podcast. Um, She handles the mental health questions and I sort of handle the more broader artistic questions and speak because we have artists on every episode to talk about their work, to share their work and how they get into the artistic zone of things. And we just sort of look at it from that aspect as well as the mental health aspect of what it's like to be an artist, what you know we feel artists are missing out on, um, looking at Maslow's hierarchy and all this. So it's, it's sort of an all, all-encompassing podcast that covers both the artistic side as well as the psychotherapeutic side. And you're an artist yourself, obviously. How's your mental health been during the pandemic? Oh, up and down, to be honest, just like I'm sure everybody else's has been. Yeah, some days it's good, some days it's it's bad. But, you know, luck, I'm thankful and gr- lucky to have a partner who knows how, how these things work and is able to help me and give me some help and tips to get through my worst days. But it's been, yeah, it's been tough at times and it's also been in other times really good it sort of depends i think everybody has good days and bad days in terms of what i can use as a i guess a crutch or a way to get through this this current time without being able to perform or make films you know i've got the podcast um i've been doing a lot of writing as well uh if anything this has sort of been um a good time for me to focus on more interior forms of art like painting and writing and things that i can do in, in the immediacy, as opposed to focusing on ideas that I can't enact in the flesh at this point in time. 
And who's appeared on the podcast so far? Episode one, we had our dear friend Lish. Um, episode two, we had a doubleheader. We had Dilly Dave, who was an Australian rapper. And um, Ricky, a.k.a. Boy Under the Bridge, who was an Australian um, poet and influencer. We recorded episode three today with my friend Ruben Meltzer, who is an incredible filmmaker. And um, we're also working on a side project called Reflections, where me and Gio talk about the um, themes and ideas brought up during the podcast, the interviews with other people. So keep your ears out for that. Are there recurring themes that come up? We've noticed that a lot of artists like to view um, the world through the lens of archetypes. But beyond that, in terms of mental health, um, COVID, obviously, I mean, I don't really think I need to mention that, but COVID has been a concern. And a lot of artists have expressed um, concern that there isn't enough support for artists, particularly financial support, which we um, are looking into in terms of how that affects our mental health and our well-being. And I do think artists require more recognition. We definitely need to be, you know, our work needs to be recognized, whether it's by our peers or by the public at large. And I think the easiest and most effective way to recognize our work is to pay us. You often hear people say to artists, just get a real job mm. while neglecting the amount of art they might interact with every minute of every day of their lives. I agree entirely. And particularly during the pandemic, I mean, everybody's stuck at home watching Netflix. Well, guess what? That's been made by artists. Your favorite song is made by an artist. Not, ex not appreciating artists is actually become almost like a norm in Australian culture, particularly Australian. Um, and I can point to a few different theories of my own that um, are connected to that. But one that I'm particularly drawn to is this idea of the Aussie battler. You know, the idea that we have to suffer in order to play an important part of our society. Well, artists suffer more than any other demographic, so socially speaking, particularly in Australia. Our work is not recognized. We are not paid for our work. And essentially, people think that art is... Um, something that it, we just do in our spare time and we should get real jobs to benefit society, quote unquote. We don't benefit the economy. Um, and I also think that I've also come across people who believe that making art is a, quote, effeminate, unquote, pastime, which is really strange the way that it's sort of tied into our cultural fabric. So I'm exploring this in a series of works at the moment where, and I'm going to try and find a way to subvert that. Well, let's have a listen to a small snippet of The Candle Melbourne, originally released on August 23rd. Welcome to The Candle Podcast. Today's interviewee is Elizabeth Lish Schketz, a multifaceted and multidisciplinary artist whose works encompass the realms of sculpture, poetry, performance art, and fire twirling. We hope you enjoy. Now, Lish, you are a sculpturist and a visual artist and a poet, so quite artsy. Can you tell us more about th these incredible creations and the way that you express yourself and your work? I have always been arty. Many, many years ago, when I still lived at home with my parents, I made a pineapple. And the pineapple, it was a ceramic pineapple, full-size fully painted and fully glazed and I bought it home 
And my mother said, what are you doing with a pineapple? <laughs> it's not real. It's, it's not a real pineapple. You know, and everyone was so impressed by this pineapple that um, she put it on our television, which was a very unusual thing to do. But, you know, I was really, really proud of my pineapple being on the television. And, of course, people would visit and ask us, why do you have a pineapple sitting on your TV? And instead of answering, we just dare them to touch it. Touch it. <laughs> Until they touched it, like reluctantly, of course, and discovered that it was a ceramic pineapple. But it, it looked that real. So I've always done these things. Mm. And both of my parents were the same. Like my mother was a painter and dressmaker, and she used to recite poetry just from her own head um, mm. every day. There was something, whether it was the Lady Shalot or the Highwayman or something in Latin or a folk tale or whatever it was, she would do that. And my father was an engineer, draftsman and musician who played a 12-string guitar and he would sing and he would teach me little rhymes in Afrikaans and things like that. And for years I thought he wrote Mr Tambourine Man because he would play it and sing to me. And then when I heard it on the radio years later, I was shattered to find out that my father didn't write Mr Tambourine Man. Um, yeah, which is very funny because my kids thought that I wrote Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash. I would play it to them at night. And one day I was in the backyard with my fire sticks and my daughter announced and said, Mum, there's a man playing your song on the radio. <laughs> I was, what are you oh, talking about? And, he, and, and then Tyrell came out, it's true, it's true. And they got me to come inside and there's Johnny Cash playing Ring of Fire. We had the talk. So, so there's always been, I've always created things and I've always made things. And I think it's just part of me. Could you tell us a little bit about your mental health journey um, and, of course, depending on your comfort with that, but could you please tell us a little bit about how you've managed your own mental health? Okay. Uh, when I was very young, I had a alcoholic father who was an abusive drunk. That really did uh, affect me for a long time and in that instance I went and saw a social worker and just talked and I just I sat with this woman each week and told her everything I just sat there and talked and talked and talked it out of my system and that was really the way I dealt with that then when I was younger uh, after the kids, when my children were four or five, I developed cervical cancer. And with the cervical cancer, that was another challenge again because both of my parents had died from various forms of cancer. So, and I had what I call a vibe shower where you just imagine this light coming into you. And as that light comes into you, the water washes away anything that is harmful and did a lot of meditating and talked to a couple of friends and just kind of went with it. But I knew within myself that I wouldn't die. So it didn't really hit me until after. And afterwards I found I was very angry 
and again I had to find someone to talk to in that instance but most of the time I tend to internalize for a while and then write things out of my system and destroy it in some way shape or form whether I just drown it in water and throw it and use it as fertilizer in the garden or sometimes it'll end up in the fire pit some fire swelling fire swelling is another really good way of, of for me to get my angst out or my anger or my sadness or even joy. Um, I know when my mother died, I did a lot of fire twirling. And when my fr- a couple of friends died recently, I just went out and twirled and twirled and twirled. And I think I twirled for eight hours. And I felt better. So, you know, I have different ways of dealing with this stuff. And, and that's the thing with tragedies and that's the thing with uncertainty is and, and problems is that you don't dodge them, you don't go around them. You move through them. And moving through them is the way that you can move beyond them. And that's how it works with, I think, forgiveness too. I know um, I did forgive my father for everything. And I was with him when he died in hospital. I was holding his hand. And that forgiveness was for him, yes, but mostly it was for me to be able to move on with my life, which is the thing that I don't think everybody fully appreciates when they talk about forgiveness and they think, oh, how can you forgive that person? This thing is, it's terrible. It's not for them. It's for the person who is doing the forgiving so that they can move on with their life, so that they can heal, you know, and that's truly what I think. You know, I was told for as long as I could remember that no one could ever love me, like, and I actually remember my father saying to me, no one could ever love you. Who would ever love you? Look at you. And that was something that I thought I'd moved on from. And then when I was in hospital, a huge a dozen roses arrived with oils. And I thought, oh, this must be from a group of people because, you know, not one person would ever love me like that. And it kind of hit me, whoa, whoa. I thought I was over that. And I was a bit shaking my fist, shaking my fist going, ah. Someone does love me up yours. <laughs> so, it's, so there's that sarcasm and, and humour as well, you know, and, 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 and these sort of things, they lurk in the background, but you find ways to deal with them. Like yesterday, when we talked about my birthday earlier and all the wonderful things that came, just for a split second, the same thing happened. It's like, oh, people love me. <laughs> but instead of getting upset, I was like, that's amazing. So yes. it changes, you know, grief and um, those sorts of issues, they change through the years. If you're wrestling with feelings of anxiety, worry and depression or finding the current social isolation measures hard to deal with, we would like to encourage you to call Wellways Helpline. Wellways Helpline is a volunteer support and referral service that provides information to people experiencing mental health issues or other disabilities, as well as their family, friends and carers. We're here to talk if you are seeking information about mental health or mental health services or just need someone to talk to. 
As a peer-based service, everyone working at Wellways Helpline has a lived experience of mental health issues or disability. Wellways Helpline is a national service and operates Monday to Friday, 9am to 9pm, excluding public holidays. If you feel it would be helpful to talk to someone about these issues during this difficult period, please call Wellways Helpline on 1300 111500. That's 1300 111500. Wellways supports 3CR. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM, the voice of the community. 3CR, community radio, giving the voice to the community since 1976. You are listening to the Spoken Word Show on 3CR Community Radio. My name is Brendan Bonsack, and my guest today is multidisciplinary artist Sasha Kuha. You've recently worked on a horror film, I believe, that won the Best Horror at Paris International Film Awards this year. What's that called? Uh, My Cherry Pie is the name of the horror film. It's coming out um, on the 18th of October, and we'll screen from the 18th till the end of October till Halloween as part of the A Night of Horror Festival, and that can all be streamed. The film itself is about um, three criminals who go on a crime spree in Melbourne after they after their leader gets released from prison, and then they end up in a in an abandoned asylum out in the boondocks, where let's just say shit goes down. <laughs> um, but yeah, that should be coming out soon, and I urge listeners to check it out if you're a fan of horror movies or if you're a fan of 80s slashers and also just interesting Aussie films. Was that filmed before the pandemic or during? That was filmed just after the first pandemic. So at the end of 2020, it was filmed over 11 days um, on location out in Storwell. And we, it was great because we got to live on location. So that was sort of shot between the, um, the, the end of 2020 pandemic and the beginning of the 2021 pandemic to COVID boogaloo. <laughs> it must be strange releasing a film that no one can go and see. Yeah, I mean, it is. It is very strange. But thankfully, we have streaming. If there's one thing we can say for the arts is that we adapt. Have you performed in any um, online shows during the lockdowns? Yeah, um, I've done a couple through um, Vibe Union, uh, Talking Blue and their open stage on open mic. It's it's pretty odd, I must say, because I'm used to, as a performer, getting something back from the audience. In this case, it just sort of feels to me like a recording session. But it's, yeah, it's it's weird. It's a very less personal way of, of doing like a, a show. I, I kind of feel like they should like not show the audience to the audience. Yeah, I kind of feel like it amplifies the loneliness in some sort of way. I think it does. Lon- I mean, interesting, you mentioned, interesting that you mentioned loneliness because that's been one thing that I've not experienced much through this pandemic. And I don't know whether that's, my brain used uh, not making me experience that because as like a self um, protection method. But yeah, I can definitely see that with the with the Zoom situation because you see all these people out there, but you can't interact with them. Now, turning to another of your projects, you've been working on a spoken word and music project, which is based on old Gothic horror tales. The Love of Dead is my recent um, release, and The Love of Dead is actually. It's a short story written by Lovecraft and C.M. Eddy Jr., who was one of his contemporaries back in the 20s. I I really like that story, the way that it comes across and the way that it's written, which was what what inspired me to work with it. So I recorded the entirety of the project from the perspective of an actor, delivering it as half audiobook, half monologue, all spoken word. 
But I've always been a fan of his writing. I always thought his world building was fantastic and his style of writing, which can grate on some people because it's so verbose and, you know, with these descriptions like the gibbous moon hung in the trees and he goes on and it's so ridiculously gothic in some places. And yet he took the horror genre so far away from that concept that what if we can't defeat the evil? What if the evil was always there? And most importantly, what if God has forsaken us or never existed? That's what I find particularly interesting. In, and especially in these um, times of existential cons- cons- confusion that we're going through, we are insignificant on a whole in the universe, but that in itself is okay. We don't need to look for a greater meaning in our lives and in our time. And frankly, the best way at this point in time to combat this great existential evil is to get the vaccine and do the right thing. You know, stop trying to look for a meaning that isn't there and just deal with it on a realistic perspective. In every wanderer, there is a latent urge to return to the scenes of his childhood. A few months later, found me making my way through the familiar byways of Fenham. Vacant, dilapidated farmhouses lined the adjacent roadsides, while the years had brought equal retrogression to the town itself. A mere handful of the houses were occupied, but amongst those was the one I had once called home. The tangled, weed-choked driveway, the broken window panes, the uncared-for acres that stretched behind, all bore mute confirmation of the tales that guarded inquiries had elicited. And it now sheltered a dissolute drunkard who eked out a meager existence from the chores his few neighbors gave him out of sympathy for the mistreated wife and undernourished child who shared his lot. All in all, the glamour surrounding my youthful environment was entirely dispelled. So, prompted by some errant foolhardy thought, I next turned my step toward Bayborough. Here, too, the years have brought changes, but in reverse order. The small city I remembered had almost doubled in size, despite its wartime depopulation. Instinctively, I sought my former place of employment, finding it still there but with an unfamiliar name and successor too above the door. With the influenza epidemic had claimed Mr. Gresham while the boys were overseas. Some fateful mood impelled me to ask for work. I referred to my tutelage under Mr. Gresham with some trepidation, but my fears were groundless. My late employer had carried the secret of my unethical conduct with him to the grave. An opportune vacancy ensured my immediate reinstallation. Then came vagrant haunting memories of scarlet nights of impious pilgrimages and an uncontrollable desire to renew those illicit joys. I cast caution to the winds and launched upon another series of damnable debaucheries. Once more, the yellow sheets found welcome material in the devilish details of my crimes, comparing them to the red weeks of horror that had appalled the city years before. Once more, the police sent out their dragnets and drew into its enmeshing folds. Nothing. That was a track from Sasha Kuha's new recording of old gothic horror tales, The Loved Dead. I'm interested in how you went about recording the music. How, How did that work? I recorded the um, the audio audio book, the, the text first, and then I sat down and composed the music separately to it or adjacent to it on the, during the same day, I think, or the day after I recorded it. 
for me, it's all about what mood does this section of the story need to heighten it? Or what mood can I attach to this part of the story that will give it another meaning or another perspective? And because the whole thing is told from the perspective of the main character, it's, it was quite easy to get into the headspace of how to follow the mood and go through that. The whole thing was played live with a keyboard and using Labs by Spitfire um, audio, which is a free set of synths and samplers you can get specifically for ambient creators and also composers. And, and they've also done a lot of work with theater companies and film producers. So it's all very cinematic. You can get packs of whale song that they've run through various filters and just strange instruments that you would never have expected. Strings that sound like the Arctic tundra, for example. And I, I find that really, it inspires me a lot with my creativity. Would you like to take us out with a poem of your own? I would love to. I'm going to read Ode to the Brain. Brain, thou seat of consciousness, cosmic conspirator, Promethean torchbearer of inspirations grand and minuscule, hall of morality, O hive of grey cells, Thou triumvirate of ego, id, and the other one, master of my movements and desires, creator or receptor of God, indecisive beast thing, reminder of leaving the oven on, line blender of sacred profanity, the one true writer of all list poems, brain, thou dopamine junkie, thou serotonin shock jock, O oh, conspiracy theorist supreme, Thou art the Banksy of bullshit artistry. You loudspeaker of thought, O echo chamber and filter of all my wants. Brain, bringer of horrors and beauty, self-naming entity, inquisitor of comfort. He who throws gas upon the fire of anxiety, he who douses the fire of anxiety. You creator of aesthetics with your masters in pornography and bachelors in sacred art. Savant of sacred mistakes of the artist's hand speaker of truths and untruths, brain, thou forger of lies, presidential procrastinator, pentium infinite to the power of infinity, brain, thou milkman delivery service of ideas at the crack of dawn with your host of personalities at the dinner party of one, you master of embarrassing ceremonies with your radio of the subconscious, surfer of the unconscious, thou wet dream towel ringer, dream weaver, moon chaser, writer, poet, peasant, Pissant, shitheel, genius, ordinary, lackluster gem floating in an amniotic sea of fluid. Shut the fuck up and let me sleep. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show today, Sasha. No problem. You can find Sasha's recorded work at sashakuha.bandcamp.com. That's S-A-S-H-A-C-U-H-A.bandcamp.com. And the new podcast, The Candle Melbourne, is available for free via your favourite podcasting app or directly from the Mooney Valley City Council's Clock Tower website, www.clocktowercentre.com.au. And don't forget a podcast of this and many other episodes of Spoken Word is available from 3cr.org.au forward slash spoken dash word. And whilst you're there please consider becoming a subscriber to 3CR to help keep Grassroots Community Radio on the air. My name is Brendan Bonsack. Thank you so much for listening.